I don't know about you, but man, I, I needed to worship with you guys this morning. Um, I needed to be reminded that because of the love and the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ, think about these words, I am a child of God. Does that not just stir your soul and warm your heart and your spirit as we think about what Christ has done for us? How many of you walked outside this morning and looked around your yard and thought, yep, it's reality weekend? <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. There was probably a lot of white stuff and it wasn't snow that was cast upon a lot of yards and lawns last night. Um, it's just uh, good to be with you. My name is Kyle, and we're so glad to uh, be with you this morning. And I just want to say that I see, notice, um, and witnessing and, and believing that God is up to amazing things in and through our church and therefore his kingdom. Um, we are going to spend some time over the next few weeks celebrating what he did in and through our church in 2017 and looking forward to what he's going to do in 2018. And um, our end of the year uh, report is going to be coming out. It's always exciting to read and, and, and to uh, see what God uh, did over the last year. And I just want to let you know that literally almost daily, almost daily lately, there have been people Amongst our community, your friends, your family, people that we know, we love, that we're praying for, that are coming to faith in Christ. I mean, daily. Amen. Celebrate that. Again, texts, phone calls, emails, conversations. I got an email this last week. Hey, I can already take two people off my loss list because they've come to Christ. I mean, how cool is that? How cool is that? I love it. God's just doing amazing things. Let me tell you why God's doing amazing things in and through our church. It's because you guys get it. You get it. What we're going to talk about today, I'm not going to be teaching you and you're going to have an aha moment. You're going to have a, oh yeah, that, uh, yep, that's what we do. That's what we do. And so today we really want to spend some time reminding us what our mission is and who we are. Um, in fact, I believe God's up to such great things that we've titled this series, The Future's So Bright, you got to Wear Shades, so we let you get prepared. So uh, throughout the next few weeks, throughout this year, when God just shows up and shows out, and you need to squint just a little bit, these are real, by the way, these, I don't know if any of you were aware of how cool these were and are. These are called shutter shades, and they're not a gimmick and a toy. They're the real deal, and some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but they're really cool. So anyway, just letting you know. Let me give you 105 reasons why. I could give you more, but I'm going to give you 105 reasons why the future is so bright. We've got to wear shades. The other day I was in my vehicle and I had five nine-year-old boys in the vehicle with me. All right, five. And uh, we had been out having some fun and we were on our way back. And I was just thinking about those five boys and their friendship and their attitudes and their outlook on life and how smart they are and um, the future that's ahead of them. I was thinking about their families and, and, and just who they are. And so as I was thinking through these five nine-year-old boys, I just went ahead and brought it up to them. I said, man, guys, you guys are an awesome group of boys. And I'm so excited about how you're going to impact 
others around you and your community and in your world as you grow up. And so we began to dream just a little bit, and I spoke into him a little bit, and I paused, and one of the boys said, yeah, and in fact, we're all brothers in Christ too. And when that was said by a nine-year-old kid, I thought, we just went to a whole nother level here. And I hushed my mouth, and I just got quiet, and one by one, I heard five nine-year-old boys tell their story of faith and how they came to know Christ. I heard them one by one. It was so cool. And the last one that spoke up was the one in the back. And he got to tell his buddies that on Christmas Day of 2017, just a few days ago, remember best Christmas ever, on Christmas Day he gave his heart and his life to Jesus. Is that not just cool? So I was just with those five nine-year-old boys, and I was just thinking, man, the future is bright. I mean, if you're watching the news all the time, the future is very dim, right? It just is, and some of you are like glued to it, and you're watching every little thing that every leader's doing or every buffoon's doing, and you're just thinking, man, it's just all coming to an end, and I agree with you, there's some messed up stuff out there, but I'm here to tell you, God's working in people's hearts and in people's lives. Um, I gave you five reasons, and I told you I'd give you 105. The other 100 are sitting right up here. They're sitting right up here. They've just spent the weekend, yeah, encourage them, adults, encourage them. They've just spent the weekend getting focused on Christ and hearing his truth in their lives. And Reality Weekend, I know, it was just a, a, an incredible, an incredible weekend. So the future's so bright, you got to wear shades. Um, I know most of you in the room. I don't know all of you. Um, but uh, what I do know is that we all come from different backgrounds. Um, when it comes to church and um, Christianity. We all had different experiences in the way we grew up. Uh, some of us grew up in church, and we were in church every Sunday, and we heard the gospel, and we learned the word of God, and it impacted our lives. Uh, some of us um, grew up possibly going to a church that really didn't teach the Bible that much, and we kind of look back on it, and we're like, we really don't know what happened there. It was just kind of, you know, a gathering that we didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. And, and then there's some of us that, you know, like Christmas and Easter would roll around, and the family would get together, and you'd, you'd go to church, and, and you'd hear, you know, um, a preacher preach. And, uh, but you just think about all of our backgrounds and where we've come from, and yet here we are sitting in the same room at the same time on the same day. So I say all that to say I believe that today is not an accident. I believe that we are here on purpose and that God's got a plan to use this moment, this day, with this group of people to do something absolutely incredible. Um. I grew up in church, and I'm very grateful to say that. I say that very humbly, but at the same time with, with a lot of um, hopefully healthy uh, pride. And uh, my mom and dad loved Jesus, and they loved me. And um, I grew up going to Sunday school every Sunday, and I had the coolest teacher ever. ever. She was my mom. And uh, this story that we're about to talk about this morning, I really wish I could take you back in time, and my mom could get us all gathered around, and she could teach us this story because she'd probably do a better job than me. And, of course, if my mom were teaching the story, she would use flannel graph, and it would be amazing, and it would just be, wow. And the story that we're going to talk about this morning has a song that goes with it, and the song comes with motions, all right? It kind of goes like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up 
said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. I do that for two reasons. One, it's a really cool song. One, I just want Keaton to know he's not going to lose his job ever. So if you grew up in church, you know that song, right? You know that story? Luke chapter 19, let's check it out. Luke chapter 19, verse number 1. If you've never heard this story before, you just heard it in song form. Now you're going to hear it in the Bible version. Um, Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse number 1. Luke chapter 19, verse number 1. It's going to be on the screen. There's also some Bibles um, underneath the seats in front of you if you'd like to grab one there. Luke chapter 19, uh, verse number 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. I want to pause because that just seems like kind of an informative verse. But I just want you to, to note that Jesus never did anything on accident. He, he did everything on purpose and with mission. And so if Jesus on this day gets up and goes into Jericho and makes his way through town, he, he's got a purpose, he's got a mission, and he's got a plan. Verse 2. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, who you're all familiar with now because I sang to you. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and had become very rich. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about taxes and you think about the IRS. I'm sure happy thoughts come to your mind, right? Well, I'm just here to tell you that when they would think about these guys like Zacchaeus who held these positions of tax collector, in, in particular chief tax collector, um, everybody's minds just, just went to the worst place possible. Anger would well up within them as they would think about guys like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus would have been a Jew like Jesus, okay? He would have been of the house of Israel. He would have been one of them because the Roman government who ruled and reigned over the people of Israel, over the Jewish people at the time, and squashed them down, decided that, hey, let's make their tax collectors people of their own. So they would go find these really sharp, shrewd, um, 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 money-minded, um, math-minded individuals, the Jewish people, and they would put them in the position. They would let them earn these positions and grow and become. And so we don't know how long Zacchaeus has been doing the, the tax collector thing, but he's a chief tax collector at this point. So it means he's been doing it a while. He's been doing it really well, which means he's been doing a lot of bad stuff. Because if you're a chief tax collector in that time, you charge people what the government said to charge them, which in that time probably would have been an exorbitant amount. And you could add on whatever you wanted to. And the people that gave to you really couldn't say anything about it because you were in charge and you could take off the top whatever you got that was above and beyond what you owed the government. So this is who he was. Um, I'm thinking this guy had the, the finest sandals of the day. And he had his hair slicked back, gold chain. I mean, he was ready to roll. That's Zacchaeus, all right? He's a chief tax collector. And all of this made him notorious, made him legendary. The G Jewish people would have just despised him for his power, the abuse of it, and the wealth that he gained through it. Verse number three. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Some of you can identify, right? In fact, no, no joke. They didn't know I was going to be doing this, but there's some people that normally sit kind of up here, and because of the students, they had to move back there. And uh, one of those people was really concerned because they were sitting behind people, and they're kind of short, and they can't see back there. So I'm waving at you to let you know I'm back there. I see you back there. 
So some of you that are a little bit shorter kind of understand this issue here. Um, I, would imagine, I would imagine that if this guy was as short, and he was really short because the song tells us, right? And he, was a, he was a wee little man, so he had to be really, really short. I can imagine in school he's probably picked on, made fun of, but now nobody made fun of him because everybody feared him. Everybody feared him. But he couldn't get a look at Jesus. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So he kind of just in his mind thought, this is the main road. I see the dust coming. I'm, I'm imagining that Jesus is going to continue on this way. So I'm going to get ahead of them, and I'm going to climb up in the tree so that I can see him. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you climbed a tree to see something? Now, there were several rednecks in the room that just under their breath said, Dear season. If that's you, if that's you, you're getting where we're going with this. If you really want to see something, if you really want to experience something, if you really want to get something, you do what you got to do to see it, to get it, and to experience it. Am I correct? You will get up in the dark, in the cold, and go sit in a tree sometimes, right? Wow, Zacchaeus really wanted to see Jesus. Uh, one of the coolest experiences I ever had in people wanting to see something was a few years ago when the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl. And we lived in the Seattle area at the time, and my kids loved the Seahawks. And I took my oldest, who was seven at the time, to go see the parade. And it was about 20 degrees. It was crazy cold. And literally the whole city showed up. And where we ended up on the particular street corner that we were on, uh, there were thousands upon thousands of people. And anything that could be stood on, climbed, gotten on top of, there was somebody. I mean, there were people that, I'm, I'm not joking, I saw them climb up light poles. I saw them sitting on top of flat trucks. I saw them in window seals. I saw them everywhere. My seven-year-old was on my shoulders. Everybody was trying to get a peek at when the Seahawks would come through in the parade. And here's Zacchaeus really wanting to see Jesus. Why did he want to see Jesus so bad that he would climb a tree? Well, I don't know if Zacchaeus was really interested in seeing Jesus because he was looking for or thought he was in need of salvation. I mean, that would be really cool if that were true, but I don't know that Zacchaeus looked his life and thought, man, I, I need to be saved from. I mean, he had everything. He had money. He had power. He had authority. He had everything you could ever want. And yet there was something about Jesus that attracted him and attracted him to the point that he was drawn to him and he climbed a tree. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Quick. Come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Right where Zacchaeus was, Jesus stopped. Some translations actually say that when Jesus came to the spot, again, it's almost like as if this was planned, as if this was pre-planned on Jesus' part, that he's going to have an interaction, an encounter with Zacchaeus today. And he calls Zacchaeus by name. You think Zacchaeus went, who, me? No, Jesus says, the other short guy in the tree beside you, right? I mean, like, there was a moment here where Zacchaeus is like, he's talking to me. 
He called me by name. You ever had one of those experiences where you interact with somebody and you don't think they know who you are or that you exist and all of a sudden they let you know that you exist and you're like, whoa! This next story I'm about to tell you, you are either going to um, uh, really appreciate or you're going to make fun of me about. Um, there's a guy that sings country, country music. His name's Randy Travis. And um, he was at the Oklahoma-Arkansas State Fair in Fort Smith, Arkansas one year. And um, me and my friends, we were at the fair, and uh, he was supposed to sing that night. It's kind of like a covered thing, but it's open on the sides. And so he's in there warming up, and he was singing this song, which I think is one of the coolest songs ever. No, I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. Anyway, he's singing that song, and he gets done. It's, it's, it's an empty place, and we're over there behind the gates, like way off to the side of the stage. And I'm just, you know, being 16 and loud and, you know, goofy. And so I holler at him, hey, Randy, we love you. And all my friends were like, ha, 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 you know. And then he takes that mic and that deep, low, randy voice says, well, we love you too. And I was like, you talk to me. Randy knows me. Me and Randy were like this. Jesus comes along and he says, hey, Zacchaeus. They say that one of the sweetest sounds to your soul is hearing your own name spoken by someone else. Can you imagine Jesus coming along, picking you out of the crowd and calling you by name? Well, that's what happened. Again, it's almost like it was planned. It's almost like Jesus had this moment picked out. Now, let me look at this from just a little bit angle, different angle for just a moment. I mean, because we've kind of got a beat on Zacchaeus, right? He was a notorious dude for all the bad things that he had done. And we got this guy climbing up the tree. How many of us possibly think that because of what we have done and the tree that we've climbed up in, in religion or in custom or tradition, that therefore we have garnered the favor and the attention of God? And we need to come down from our tree today. And when you get humble at the feet of Jesus, recognizing that he is who he is, and if he pays me attention, if he pays you attention, it's because of his grace. But see, what good people like to do is good people like to look down on bad people. And yet Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he calls him by name. He says, hurry, come down. Verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. I don't know how they walked off, but I imagine them walking, walking off with Zacchaeus with his arm around him. Walking away and looking back at the crowd like, we're together. We're buds. We're pals. And off to the house they go. Verse 7. But the people were displeased. He, meaning Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. The people couldn't believe it. Again, these were good people. They went to the synagogue. They went to the temple. They were religious. They had their traditions. They had their customs. They had their knowledge of God. And they believed that they, through all the things that they had done, had earned the favor of God. And now here's Jesus, who they're kind of figuring out is like God. And all of a sudden, Jesus is giving this notorious sinner attention. And it says they grumbled. They're like, man, this can't be. This, can't, this is not right. This is not right. 
Yet the bad people were the ones, as you read scripture, that were attracted to Jesus. Luke chapter 15, the tax collectors and the notorious sinners were the ones that constantly hung around at the feet of Jesus to hear his teachings. Look at what all the religious leaders and rulers of the day were doing. They were scoffing at him. They were trying to trip him up. They weren't believing in him. It was the notorious sinners that were attracted to Jesus. It makes us ask these questions. Why was Jesus so attracted to people that weren't like him? And why were people that weren't like Jesus attracted to him? The people there, they grumbled. Now, that's the people of Israel. We're, we're not those people we are, through Jesus, the people of God. Therefore, we are the church. So every time we see Jesus interacting, reaching out to, welcoming in a sinner, we shouldn't grumble. What should we do, people? Not a, not a, not a rhetorical question there. When we see Jesus reaching out to, interacting, loving, and receiving sinners, what should we, the people of God, do? Should we grumble? No, we should celebrate because we're smart enough to know that that's who we used to be, correct? That it's only by his grace that we're able to be at the feet of Jesus. And so we're not like the people of Israel. We are the people of God through Jesus. And so when we see Jesus hanging out with sinners, we celebrate it because we know that if people hang out with Jesus, guess what's going to happen? Their life is going to change. It's going to change. But if we, like them, think we have changed ourselves and we have cleaned up good enough and we go to all the right places and we don't go to all the bad places and we do all the good things and we don't do all the bad things and we think because of that that we have earned and that we deserve the favor of God, we'll get very upset when we see Jesus loving on those who are notorious sinners because we think we deserve it and they don't. But if we have realized that our salvation has come by grace and by grace alone, we will celebrate it. We will celebrate it. Church, in Scripture, we are called the hands and the feet of Jesus. So may I suggest to you that when someone comes into a gathering like this, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, this is a very special gathering. This is God's church together. When people come here, this should be the closest thing on earth to them seeing, experiencing, feeling, and knowing Jesus. Because what? We are the hands and the feet of of Jesus. And if sinners were attracted to Jesus, could it be that if we are the hands and feet of Jesus, the way he's called us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that those same notorious sinners that live amongst our community today will be attracted and drawn to this place, not even knowing why, but they're like, there's something about Jesus, and I've got to check it out. I'm willing to climb up in a tree. I'm willing to get up on a Sunday morning. I'm willing to go to a place and see what it's all about. I'm willing to engage with Jesus. Church, as we come together, something special should happen, and I believe it does happen in this place. It's us being the hands and the feet of Jesus and people seeing him. So maybe, maybe this is your first time in church for a while. Maybe you just started coming back. You've been coming for a few weeks or even a few months, and maybe you look back on your past church experience, and you just about gave it up all together. And you had bad experiences in church, and you're like, I don't even know, but I'm going to give it one more try. Well, I really think I can say with all honesty that you're sitting amongst some really great people. And I really believe that we have great music, and I believe that we have great ministries here at this church. But listen to me. Those things aren't what church is about. Church is about Jesus. And here's what I believe. 
I believe that if you could meet Jesus, that, that if you could actually meet Jesus, like go back to the first century when Jesus was walking and talking, just like we see him with Zacchaeus here, I believe, I believe that you would like him. And I believe that he would like you. You hear what I'm saying? I believe that if you really meet Jesus, like have an encounter with him, that you would be like, I like this guy. And I believe with all of my heart that if Jesus were having an encounter with you with all the things that you have done, I believe that he would like you. Now, I believe that Jesus has proven that he'll like you. In fact, he'll go further than like he'll love you. And he proved it on the cross because he died for all of your sins. If you were to meet Jesus, you would like him. He would like you. And for all the believers in the room, believing that that is true, here's what I would say to that. Invite someone to Jesus. I want you to think about it this way. When you invite someone to church, you're inviting someone, listen to me, to Jesus. They're coming here and they're experiencing the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are lifting up the name of Jesus. We are praising the name of Jesus. We are preaching the name of Jesus. We are inviting people to Jesus. One thing I know for sure, church can cause a shift in your life, but it can't change your life. Only Jesus can change your life. And if there are any changed people in this room, and I believe there are, it's not because of church. It's because of Jesus. Jesus is the one that has changed us. Jesus is the one that's transforming us. And so we want to invite people to Jesus, believing that they will like him, knowing that he will like them, and that we will invite people to Jesus. Check out verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, so they went back to his house. We don't know how long they were there. We don't know what all they talked about. We don't know what the discussion looked like. We don't know who else was there. But somewhere in the midst of this encounter with Jesus, something amazing and extraordinary happens. Zacchaeus, after having this experience with Jesus, stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Now, that's a pretty incredible statement. I will give half my wealth to the poor. But the more incredible part of the story is the next Word. It's the word that he declares of what he is going to call Jesus now. Do you see that word? It starts with an L. The word is what? Lord. His language has moved and changed dramatically. Somewhere in this conversation, which wasn't about the what, it was about the who, Nicodemus recognizes that Jesus is Lord. And he makes this commitment to give half of all of his wealth to the poor, calls him Lord, and then he goes on to say, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. What in the world is going on here? Zacchaeus is having an encounter with Jesus. Verse 9, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Now, if you stop right there, you may get confused and think, okay, so do I need to give away half of my stuff for God to, like, rescue me? Is that how it works? If you stop right here, you start thinking, okay, it is about me getting better and me getting gooder so that God will be pleased with me. But you got to read verse number 10. 
For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus is making it emphatically clear here. The reason why Zacchaeus now is a child of God, has been found, has been rescued, is because the rescuer, whose name is Jesus, came to seek and to save him. This one that was lost, this one that was far away from God, this one that was a notorious sinner. Zacchaeus has had an experience, a life-changing experience with him, and that is what has changed him. Salvation came because the Son of Man, Jesus, the Lord, came. I want to remind us, and that's a key word. I'm not letting you know for the first time. This has always been our mission. This is how we word it and how we try to um, put it in, in words that we can remember. I want to remind us, God's people, this church, of what our mission is. This is why we exist. This is why we live. This is why we gather. This is why we breathe. This is why we do what we do. This is why we worship. This is why we come together for preaching. This is why we get together in small groups. This is the reason why we do ministries. This is why we do everything that we do. We live, we move, we exist to help people who are far away from God. Find the way to him. So that they can do the same for others. That's why we do what we do. It's so that other people can know the Jesus that brought us close to God. Close to the point that now we can declare with humility and with joy that we are a child of God. That's why we do what we do. This is who we are, church. This is the very mission of Jesus, Luke 19.10. What did Jesus say? I came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's what we're about. Our mission is the same as Jesus. Some of you are praying right now specifically for people. And you're wanting them to experience Jesus in the way that you've experienced Jesus. And you're loving on them and you're praying for them. And you're doing your best to share your story with them. And you're doing your best to invite them to church most importantly, all the way to Jesus. Keep doing it because that's why we do what we do. Because of what we said earlier, we really think that if you were to meet Jesus, you would like Jesus and that he would like you. And therefore, we're going to invite someone to Jesus. I've got two things I want you to consider today as we wrap this time up. Maybe for you today, what your next step is, what you need to do today, is you need to meet Jesus. Maybe today was, was you climbing up in a sycamore tree. Like you're like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to do everything I do to get out of the house. And I'm going to get on a Sunday morning. It's going to be weird for me. It's going to be strange for me. I don't know why people do this every Sunday, but I'm, I'm going to do it this Sunday. And I'm going to climb up in my tree, if you will, because today I'm thinking maybe I could see Jesus. I don't even know what all Jesus can potentially do for me, but there's something missing in me. And so I'm intrigued and I am here. I am here. Well, Jesus is here too. And he came to seek and to save you. He came to change you. And we want, you to, we want to invite you to meet Jesus today. We want to invite you to confess your need of him in your life. You have the same need of him in your life that we have him in our life, and it's because of our sin. And when we confess our sin and we believe that Jesus is Lord, he saves us and he changes us just like 
Zacchaeus. Maybe for you, your next step today is to invite someone to Jesus. Um, we, I think throughout all the seats today, we put invite cards. Um, because this is not about inviting them to hear me preach. This is not about inviting them to hear good music. All those things happen, and that's wonderful, and that's good. But listen, when you invite someone to church, guess what you're doing? You're inviting someone to Jesus. You're inviting someone to Jesus. And it's almost like we're at that point, like if we can just get them to Jesus, then Jesus will do everything that's necessary. For some of you, that means having a conversation with another Maybe it's not in the context of the church gathering, but you need to have coffee or a meal with someone, and you need to tell them about your experience with Jesus and how he has changed your life, and you need to invite someone to Jesus. Listen, as people continually meet Jesus in and through this place, as we lift up Jesus, and as this church as a whole continually invites people to Jesus, sound cliche if you want to, I believe the future is so bright you got to wear shades. Listen, I have seen such celebration take place over the last couple weeks. I've heard dads get to tell me that their sons got saved. You think that's an excited dad right now? Absolutely. You think that dad wants to show up to church and worship Jesus right now? Absolutely. I've had people call me up and say, man, my, my neighbor just came to Christ you think that person's excited for the Lord Jesus Christ right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. So may we keep our eyes on what we should be on, which is Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one that gives us our mission and our purpose. And may we continue to invite others to him. And we invite you to Jesus today. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. Normally when I pray, everybody kind of gets Resituated. It's just the way it works. You kind of get resituated. Uh, you kind of get your stuff out of your lap and you kind of think about what's for lunch and all those other things and how much longer is this going to last and all that kind of stuff. All that's going to happen while I pray and that's okay. But I just want you to know that when I get done praying, we're going to invite you to stand. We're going to invite you to stand for just a short few moments while we sing a portion of one more song. And during that song, we're inviting you to Jesus. Well, how do I come to Jesus? Well, you can be right where you are if you want to be and confess your need of Jesus because of your sin and receive him as your Lord and as your Savior as you carry out Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe you're like, hey, I need a little help with that. Um, I don't really know if I know all the things I need to know and you want to talk to me or one of our other pastors, there'll be some of us up front here. We invite you to Jesus. When we get done, we invite you to Jesus. Me and a lot of your friends around you that know Jesus will be glad to have a conversation with you about Jesus. So I'm going to pray. We're going to stand for a few moments and sing. We're going to invite you to Jesus. Let's pray.